You're listening to Banter with the Boys. Talking all things sports. From betting and brawls, Super Bowl to Stanley Cup Finals. Get laced up. It's time for Banter with the Boys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Banner with the Boys. It is just me today. Unfortunately, Smelty has come down with the sickness. Everybody kind of is having and going around right now. So, unfortunately, for the next hour or so, you're going to have to deal with this voice and this voice only. As always, we do have Mr. Kev Dog on the X's and the O's. We'll see if he makes any guest appearances today. Only time will tell. But let's get right into it. Uh, First off, we wish you the best in recovery here, Smelty. Get better soon. We hope to see you next week. Week... 14 has come and gone. We're going to start this, today's pod with the Vikings taking on the Bengals. Bengals were coming into this game as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Smelty and I both did take the Bengals to cover that three-and-a-half the way the Vikings have been playing. Nick Mullins has, you know, has yet to really prove anything. But the Vikings actually were in control of this game pretty much the whole time. They did end up losing in the fourth quarter. Their defense kind of fell apart. And they ended up taking the dub 27 to 24. I'm sorry, they did not take the dub. The Bengals took the dub 27 to 24. The story of this game really was Jake Browning's perseverance. He came back, he showed what he's kind of capable of and what he's done the last couple of weeks, the last in the, in the fourth quarter. They just kind of took over the game. It was nice to see, you know, Mullins. He did have over 300 yards. Two touchdowns, did throw two picks. Unfortunately, I was not able to catch much of this game as I was at the uh, Minnesota Wild game on Saturday. That was a blast. Um, but Wild did take the win, so there was some some fun on the Minnesota side of things on Saturday. What a thriller it was. Wild ended up winning that one in a shootout, but I believe we already have a podcast out that actually covers that. So we'll get back into what I know about, and that's football. Uh, what a game by Ty Chandler for the Vikings, though. 23 carries for 132 yards and one touchdown with the longest rush being 30 yards, nice good chunk there. And Justin Jefferson coming back on the field and played the whole game. He had seven catches on 10 targets with 84 yards. That's really respectable. Jordan Addison continued his dominant rookie season here with six catches for 111 yards and two touchdowns on six targets. So every ball that was thrown to him was completed and caught. And then if you look over on the Cincinnati side, as I said with Jake Browning, another great performance by him. 324 yards, two touchdowns, did have the one pick and was sacked four times. So that Vikings front seven definitely got to him. And Joe Mixon, not a lot of carries with only 10 carries, 47 yards, so a respectable 4.7 yard average. But I would expect more out of Joe Mixon. Now, granted, they weren't able to run the ball too terribly much as they were in, in, in a deficit for the majority of this game. And then come fourth quarter when they put it on, they you know, had to only pass the ball in that case, which they did. Um, but Jake Browning, with the, his ability to distribute the ball, we had 12 different receivers. I'm sorry, 11 different receivers that ended up with a catch in this game. And 11, that 12th was a, a targeted receiver. Drew Sample didn't end up ca- catching that one. Um, but T. Higgins, with that play that he made, stretching the ball over, that was pretty incredible. I did see the highlights of this game and, and, and definitely noticed that. But the Vikings couldn't finish it off. They should have won this game. They had control throughout the whole entire game. Nick Mullins looked respectable, and then they just lost it, which kind of puts them in a little bit of a pickle for the playoffs here. 
you know, they don't have the easiest schedule coming with the end of the season. They play the Lions, the Packers, and then the Lions again. That's a tough three-game stretch. Now we'll get to one of those games might not be as tough as I was hoping here in a little bit. Um, but I, I was quite impressed with Mullins. You know, he's going to have the inexperience. Those two picks weren't horrendous. Um, but, you know, he's young. He, he still has to kind of prove himself, grow the rhythm, grow that chemistry with the receivers. It was nice to see J.J. back on the field. He's good for the NFL. He's one of the best at his craft. So I really liked seeing him back out there. And what a duo they are going to have with Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson going forward. TJ Hawkinson locked up. They have a triple threat in the receiving core. But unfortunately, just not enough this game. Not enough this game. Now, the Bengals improving to 8-6 and six this year. They are, you know, in third place in the NFC, AFC North, which has come out to be a pretty tough, tough division this year. As it stands right now, they are the sixth seed. But as we discussed last week with all those ties, it went down a little bit. There's only five teams now that are tied for that last spot, or the last two spots, shall I say. Um, one of those teams being the Jacksonville Jaguars, or three of those teams being the Jags, the Colts, and the Texans. Um, so that AFC South is just crazy this year. But the Bengals, I don't, I don't know how anybody could expect them to continue the success that they've had when Joe Burrow went down for the year. Now, if you look at their last three games, they got the Steelers, Chiefs, Browns. Steelers, they should be able to dog walk them pretty easy. Now, it is an AFC North game. That's always a thriller, especially between those two teams, going back to the Juju Smith, Devontez uh, Perfect fight, as you would call it, per se. I don't know what you really label that. It wasn't really a fight. It was just kind of them going at each other. But Steelers, Bengals is always going to put on a good game. And then you have the Chiefs. Who knows what the Chiefs are? They've kind of digressed during the season um, but that week 17 game against the Browns the way Joey Flacco is playing right now is going to be fun to watch I can tell you that much but let's move on from this game the Bengals did take the dub for the record uh, Smelty and I took them at that three and a half point favorite they didn't cover so we're all both 0-1 on the week and we have some good news for you after the recap here of last week's slate we do have some total standings. It's been long awaited. I know. We appreciate your guys' patience. Just wanted to throw this little teaser in there. We will be getting that to that here shortly. On to the next game. We had my Packers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, boy, oh, boy. What a terrible game this was for Packers fans. Smell, uh, the Packers were actually favored in this game by three and a half points. Same spread as the previous game. Smelty and I both took the Packers to bounce back after that loss last week and cover that three and a half, and they did the opposite of that. They ended up losing this one 34-20. Story of this game was Baker Mayfield. Now, that's what a casual football fan would say. As a Packer fan, the story of this game is why the hell is Joe Barry still our defensive coordinator? I'm going to get to that here in a little bit. I do want to give Baker his flowers. 22 of 28 for 381, four touchdowns. For those of you that aren't aware, that is a perfect passer rating of 158.3. You can't get better than that. For anybody else that is in wondering, that has only happened by one quarterback in the history of Lambeau Field, as we know how iconic and old that is, and that is Aaron Rodgers. So Baker's the first opposing quarterback to come into Lambeau and have a perfect passer rating. How he did that, Chris Godwin had himself a game. 10 receptions on 12 targets and 155 yards. For whatever reason, we could not figure out that wide receiver screen. Well, we could actually probably figure it out as anybody watching the game would see, but we're playing 10 to 15 yards off the line as we have historically done under Joe Barry. 
he doesn't, I, I don't know. I, I just, I can't, I can't comprehend how you can consistently make the exact same mistake and consistently get beaten by the exact same thing and expect to win games and expect to keep your job. Rushing-wise, Tampa Bay still had 27 carries for 99 yards. That's not a great average, but for the Packers, not letting up a 100-yard game as a team is, you know, that's a win. Now, J-Love did look halfway decent in this game. Again, he had those throws that he just, for whatever reason, doesn't hit when they're pretty obvious throws, but he was 29-39 for 284 and two tuds. Was only sacked two times. The line played pretty good, and that was a passer rating of a very, very respectable 111.5. With Dontavian Wicks... We've kind of spotlighted him a couple times this year on the pod. He's turning into be a, a what looks to be a steal in the later rounds of this draft. Six receptions on seven targets with 97 yards with a long of 22. So it's not like he had one big bomb that just kind of took over. And then Jaden Reed doing what Jaden Reed has kind of, kind of shown what he's going to do this year. Five, six receptions for 52 yards and that beautiful catch for the touchdown. Probably Jordan Love's best throw of his career. I don't think very many would disagree with that. But we couldn't stop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For whatever reason, we could not stop them. They have not shown to be a very great offense this year. We even had, you know, the lead going into the second quarter. So I thought we were on pace to do pretty good. We haven't really been a first-half team. And going into half, we were only down three. And then we just, we, we just couldn't stop Baker. Like, for whatever reason, he wasn't even doing it on his feet, which the last couple of quarterbacks has kind of taken advantage of and gotten us on. You know, he had two rushes for negative one yards. He was just completing every one of his passes. You know, is it, I, I just don't get what our defensive mindset was going into this game. I, I, I really don't. The, the game planning, the strategies, it's just crazy to me. I mean, when you, when you have a guy like Devondre Campbell, who's been no issues whatsoever for the history of his career, he's coming off of a, you know, he's two years removed from an all-pro season. He's expected to be a leader of this defense. He's battled through injuries this year and just shown the grit to get on the field. He came out afterwards with a, a you know, a cryptic, I think it was a tweet, either Twitter, Instagram, whatever the social media platform he used, and saying that he's not going to go, he's not going to continue to play through injuries anymore. You know, I don't have it in front of me to read it verbatim. But as somebody that has already lost faith in our defensive coordinator and kind of that defensive locker room, that's not a good sign when one of the leaders is coming out and saying that. You hate to see that. You just wonder how Joe Barry has a job. It's not a lack of talent. We certainly have that on the defensive side of the ball, but it's forever our Achilles heel. Now, in the same regard, 20 points having on offense, that's not going to win a lot of games in the NFL. You need a top-tier defense to only score that many points to consistently win, but we shouldn't allow 34 points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We simply shouldn't. You know, it's it just sucks, I guess, is the, the, the worst way to see it. As, as much progress the Packers have made this year, we, we lose to the Giants and the Buccaneers. Now, again, our offense hasn't been stellar in that time, but we, we should expect the way that the defense was playing going into those two games to at least show what they were capable of, and they just haven't shown up the last two weeks. It's as simple as that. So with that, from the rest of the season outlook, Packers have a halfway decent schedule to end it here. You know, they end the, the season. We have the Panthers coming up this week. We should be able to win that game, but who the hell knows what we can do right now. Then we have the Vikings in Minnesota, and then we finish the season with the Bears. Bears are looking pretty damn good right now as well. So, you know, that's I would say that's a favorable three games to end. If we win those three games, we finish with a 500 record this year, which is kind of right around what I expected. I expected us to be, you know, a six to nine win team. Um, but we have to win those three games to sneak into the playoffs. And I really don't know how I feel about going into the playoffs. You know, when our offense is clicking, it's clicking. 
but I just don't think we'll be able to even compete. So I, I'd rather be on the, the side of getting a better draft pick this year, um, which kind of hurts to say. But at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to beat a Cowboys, a Niners, even the Eagles, as poor as they look right now. I don't think we could beat any of those three teams to even compete. So when we look at the Buccaneers, they are tied for the Saints for first in their division at 7-7. Seven and seven. So if we look at their remaining schedule, we have the Jaguars, then at New Orleans. I'm sorry, we have the Jaguars and then the Saints, both at home. And then we are at Carolina to end the season. The Jaguars are playing pretty good right now. You know, they didn't show out too well against the Ravens, um, but they are in, in control of their own destiny in the playoffs right now as well. So you can expect a good game out of that. But that week 17 game against the Saints is what I think is going to decide this division. That should be a good one. Luckily, the, the Bucks get them at home. We all know how hard it is to play in the Superdome in New Orleans. Um, and then, you know, as we should expect them to win that week 18 game, it should be a pretty fun rest of the year. Should be the pretty fun rest of the year. Let's see if my Packers can bounce back next week, but that's enough of them this week for the record as well. Smelty and I both had the Packers winning and covering that three and a half, so we started off the week 0-2. Let's move on. We had the Steelers taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Colts came into this game as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and they dominated. There wasn't any point in this game that the Colts weren't in control. I guess that's not true. At the end of the first quarter, the offense was stagnant, but they, they turned it around in the second quarter and then kind of took control from there. Gardner Minshew had himself what you would expect out of Gardner Minshew. He's make or break. He's electric. He's electric. You had 18-28 for 215 and three tuds. Uh, quarterback rating of 123.4 on the opposite side Trubisky is terrible as he always has been you don't expect anything much out of him with two interceptions only 169 yards and that one touchdown to Deontay Johnson Mason Rudolph came in at three yards so story of this game Steelers offense it has been the whole year it'll continue to be they just cannot get it going couldn't stop the Colts rushing game without Jonathan Taylor, Colts racked up 170 yards on 34 carries for averaging five yards as a carry per carry as a team. And that's what Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson taking the bulk of those yards. Like you would never expect that against a, the, the vaunted Steelers defense as they always kind of have. And then Michael Pittman continuing to show that young promise as a running as a receiver with four receptions and 78 yards. Like I said, this game wasn't too terribly exciting. Colts dominated. And they're in control of their, their own destiny here, finishing out the season as well. They are right in the thick of the AFC South um, standings, currently tied with the Texans and the Jaguars, with the Jags currently holding that tiebreaker. Um, but as we stand, without even having to go into the division, if the season ended, they would be the seventh team in the AFC. Boy, what a fun conference that AFC is turning into. It really, really is. Then if we go over and we look at the Steelers, this loss was tough. You know, it bumps them down to the 10th seed, sitting at 7-7, seven and seven, and they are last in their division. Now, last in your division at 500 tells me that's a pretty damn good division, but I, I just don't think the Steelers are going to be able to do enough offensively for the rest of the year to even, you know, have a shot at anything. If we look at their last three games, knowing going into it here that it's the AFC North, they usually have a game or two um, division games towards the end, and that's exactly it. You got the Bengals at home, then you travel up to Seattle, and then you finish the season down in Baltimore. So that's a tough three-game slate. I don't expect them to win any of those games, to be honest. The Seahawks need that win. They're still in the playoff hunt, and we know the, the Ravens are the Ravens. They might have to. They might even be sitting their starters at that point, but they're still going to play their, their all because they are the Ravens, you know? And then, as we discussed with the Bengals, they, they need these wins as much as anybody also. And if you flip the side to the Colts, they are a um, little bit more favorable to end the year here we have at the Falcons at home against the Raiders and then at home against the Texans 
that week 18 game could decide the final playoff spot or that AFC South crown. But I fully expect him to beat the Falcons and the Raiders as long as they can get that route ground game going and not have to rely on Gardner Minshew to, you know, bring that Minshew magic as we have not really seen much. But for the record, Smelty and I both took the Colts covering that two and a half and they did more than that. So Smelty and I got a win. All right, moving on to the Cowboys and the Bills, our game of the week. Bills were favored in this one, two and a half points. Boy, did they not need those points. They dominated the Cowboys, just dog walked them. Won that game 31 to 10. I had the Cowboys covering that two and a half, but I really did have them actually winning this game. So I had that one on the wrong side. Smelty had the Bills, t- uh, he, he was covering that two and a half, and they did just that. So Smelty took the lead on me this week. But as we'll get into later, that might not mean a lot. Um, so looking at this game, Dak Prescott kind of lost his shot at the MVP, I think, with this game. Unless if he just throws it together the last three uh, weeks here, you know, he did not play good at all. 21 of 34, 134 yards, one interception, no tuds. And then Josh Allen didn't need to do anything with the way that the Buffalo's rushing game was. It was absolutely insane what James Cook did to this defense. Josh Allen had seven completions on 15 attempts for 94 yards and one touchdown. What? That's wild that he was only, you know, didn't throw for 100 yards and they won so dominantly. The reason for that is Sir James Cooks, Sir James Cook, not Cooks, 25 carries for 179 yards and one touchdown. Not only that, Ty Johnson, nine carries for 54. What was this Cowboys team doing? Their defense has been phenomenal this year and to allow 266 yards to the Buffalo Bills who are not a run-dominant team, is just absolutely wild. Just wild. You know, there's not, there's really nothing to talk about for the Cowboys on this one. They, you know, they, they didn't get a lot of pressure on Allen, but again, 15 pass attempts, they weren't really attempting passing to get the pressure. They did get one sack on him, you know, as, as Mozzie Smith got in there, the, for the rookie out of, uh, I believe, Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. But Micah Parsons was nowhere to be found in this game. He really, you know, just didn't show up. And again, James Cook, not only did he have 179 yards rushing, but he had two catches for 42 yards and that one 24-yard touchdown. That was a thing of beauty. So over 200 yards for this guy. You know, he's, he's, I've been waiting for him to just break out. He's so just electric as a runner. I loved him coming out of Georgia. I was really hoping the Packers would take him as I do with a lot of offensive people that my hopes and dreams just get burned and just thrown to the garbage. But it is what it is. The Bills found themselves their future running back. I think he kind of showed that in this game. And the the Bills are just buzzing right now. Just buzzing. If we look at the playoff picture, I don't think they're going to be able to win their division. You know, they're two games behind Miami. But in the overall grand scheme of things... They're right there in the playoff hunt. You know, they currently hold the nine seed with that eight and six tie. They just haven't had a lot of conference wins this year to, you know, separate that that tiebreaker. But if we look at their remaining schedule, it's pretty favorable. We have the Chargers, the Patriots, and then in Miami. I think they can win the Chargers, Patriots. That puts them to 10 wins. I don't know if that's going to be enough to win, depending on how the rest of the team shake out here. They're sorry to, to not win, but to squeak into the playoffs and get that seven seed. But you know, even if they go two and three, they, that's kind of all they can do. They they haven't really had that consistency this year until really the last two weeks. I mean, even against the Eagles, they they played their heart out. But I, I don't know. I think they could do it. The way Josh Allen's kind of just not turning the ball over as much, he's still obviously turning the ball over because that's what he's done this year. 
But I just think that the Bills can can squeak this out and make that last little playoff push that they need. And uh, I, I kind of hope they do. You know, I like Josh Allen. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Josh Allen fan. I like the way he plays football, the way he, he just there's no regard for his body. I love that. Love that. So let's see if the Bills can can win here. And I think, and I tell you what, if they get in the playoffs, that's a dangerous team to meet, regardless of what their record is or what their seed is. Switch over on the other side here. We have the Cowboys ending the year with the Dolphins, Lions, and Commanders. I think you could win two of those three games. The Dolphins are going to be really tough, especially playing in Miami. Now they don't get affected by the the warm weather as much as you know, like a Packers team does. But Dolphins, Lions, Commanders. That Commanders game, they'll probably be resting their starters at this point. Or actually, no, probably not, because they won't be. You know, if they're locked into the playoffs, maybe. But I don't know if the seeding is going to matter too much there, depending on what Philadelphia does the rest of the year, as the the, the Dallas does currently hold the tiebreaker. But I think Dallas is going to rebound next week. Their Dak hasn't really shown that lack of ability like he did in this game at all this year. He was right in the the running for MVP, maybe even the front runner going into this week. But we'll see. We'll see if the Cowboys can can pull it all together here and make a run for it these last three games and, and get that playoff spot locked in. So, Smelty won that one. As we discussed, I had the Cowboys even winning this game. I don't even really care about the two and a half points, and they did not do that. Moves us to our fifth and final game of last week's slate. We had the Ravens going down to Duval, taking on the Jaguars. The Ravens were a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I took the Ravens to cover that three-and-a-half points. Smelty did not. He had the Jaguars covering or you know, either winning or not losing by three-and-a-half. So the ja- the Ravens were took this game and ran with it. They won 23-7. to They were in control of this game from start to finish. Poured it on a little bit in the fourth quarter. Sucks that Keaton Mitchell went down with that torn ACL. That was tough to watch. It just looked gruesome. He is just electric in the backfield. But the story of this game is Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things. He had that sloppy pick, but he threw for 171 yards, and he ran for 97 on 12 carries. They just could not contain this guy. He hasn't shown a lot of that running ability this year. We obviously know he has it. Nobody would ever question that if he were any smart. Um, But he just really hasn't had to really do it a lot this year. He's been kind of winning the games and controlling the games with his arm. And... Did a little switch on him this week and just tore him up on the ground. That's an 8.1 yard per average or yards yards per rush, if anybody was wondering. And the Ravens defense kind of shut down this Jaguars offense. Now, Trevor still had 264 yards, but it was on 43 pass attempts. So that's really, you know, kind of controlling him there. And then rushing wise, the Jaguars only had 75 yards of total rushing. And that's Trevor Lawrence for four carries and 41 yards. So he had the bulk of those, you know, in those four carries. Travis Etienne was just taken out of this game, 10 carries for 31 and then on the Ravens side of the ball, Isaiah Likely, he's kind of come on a little bit with Mark Andrews going down. He was, If I'm not mistaken, it's his second year. And last preseason, he was just touted as this rookie to watch, rookie to watch. You know, he was kind of tearing up in the preseason. And then Mark Andrews it does what Mark Andrews is, and he just dominated the league as he always does. But it's good to see Isaiah Likely getting his name in the hat here. He had five catches for 70 yards in the touchdown. And then Rashad Bateman, or Minnesota listeners will remember him as a Minnesota Gopher alum. He three catches for eight, or sorry, three catches for 39 yards. But again, the Ravens really didn't pass that much. They only had 24 attempts and 14 completions, and they didn't need to. They were in control of this game. They couldn't stop the run game. Not only did Lamar have 97 yards, but the team as a whole had 251 yards on 42 carries. As a team, they averaged six yards per carry. That's wild. Even Keaton Mitchell, before he went down, 
you know, nine carries for 73 yards. I do want to know what's kind of happened to Gus Edwards. He had the touchdown on 58 yards, but he, he had a little stretch there. We had like six or seven touchdowns in three or four games, and really that's been his season. He hasn't done much since. So that's going to be interesting to see if he's able to kind of get back into form with Keaton Mitchell going down. And then the Ravens are in, in control of the AFC at this point. You know, in my opinion, it's not even close to the best team in the AFC. The Dolphins, I think, would give them a run for their money, especially the way the defense is playing right now. But they've already clinched a playoff berth. So they, they really can just kind of coast the rest of the season. I, I don't expect them to do that as they have the Niners, Dolphins, and Steelers. Wow, that's a tough three-game slate to end the year. Now, granted, they don't really need any of those games because they did win. I'm sorry, they locked in playoffs already. Um, but they still are. If they lose all three of those games and Cleveland wins all three of their games, Cleveland would actually win the division. So there's a little bit to play for yet. Surprisingly, they don't have any AFC North games. For the remaining three. Usually the... Oh, I'm sorry. They do. They have the Steelers week week 18. Um, but at that point, again, the Ravens are probably resting their starters. Well, that's all we got for week 15 for the games. Now, let's give you what you've all been waiting for. We've been teasing it for, I don't know, three or four weeks at this point. Now, granted, with these numbers, we haven't done a, a podcast every week. That will change next year. We're going to get this thing rolling full force. Um, for the week, Smeltzy and I both finished at two and three. So for the year, that brings us to a total of myself at 13 and 15 and Smeltzy at 11 and 17. That's a pretty close battle. That's a pretty close battle. We'll see how the rest of the, the, the season folds out here or unfolds. Um, but that's, that's kind of closer than I expected. Now, granted, we're both doing pretty bad. So if you're betting people, don't go with us. We will not win you money this year. You will have lost it. We'll turn that around this week, though. I'm pretty confident. 911, what's your emergency? Well, let's get into some tent talk. We'll start with the injuries. The Bengals lost a key piece of their defensive line with DJ Reader being done for the season. Bengals defense has been pretty solid this year. They've definitely kept him in games, especially with Browning coming in. That's a pretty big loss. He's he's kind of the anchor of that inside unit there. Obviously, you got the two studs on the outside, um, but that that's a big one. Now we have Jamar Chase also on the Bengals. He's day-to-day right now with a lingering shoulder injury. I fully expect him to play. You know, they're not at a, a point in the season where they can really afford to lose him at this point. And the, Browning needs all of the help he can get. Leads us over to my Packers. Jaden Reed left the game with a toe injury. Hasn't practiced at all this week as of Wednesday. Uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow if he practices. That's going to kind of might tell the story of, of if he's going to play on Saturday. But we need him. We need him. I don't know if Christian Watson's going to be back or whatnot this week, but he has been such that like, the reliable kind of target for love. And that touchdown last week was just incredible. I love seeing that. That moves us over then back to the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence is in concussion protocol. Fully expect him to pass concussion protocol protocol and play this week. The Jaguars really, really do need him. And then, so for some news, one of the biggest news articles this week was the Pittsburgh safety DeMonte Casey suspended for the rest of the season for his hit on Michael Pittman Jr. A lot of discussion, a lot of thoughts on this one. I am all for player safety, but if you listen to what Casey said in his presser, I don't know if it was the day after or or after the game even, I, I can't necessarily disagree with him. It what more are you really supposed to do? You know, if if Pittman would have continued on and 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 Casey wouldn't have tried to touch him his his knees would have been blown out 
So I, I just don't know what you're really supposed to do in that situation. Now, was it an aggressive hit? Absolutely. That thing looked brutal. But what are you supposed to do? Ejecting from the game, can't necessarily disagree with that. It's obviously a penalty. But to suspend him for the rest of the year blows my mind. I just don't get why he would be suspended for the rest of the year. He's losing a lot of money doing that. And I don't know. I just don't agree with it. Like I said, fine him. It's a penalty. Eject him. I'm not even mad about him being ejected. But you can't suspend him for the rest of the year. Going down to the NFC South, we had Artie Smith come out and say that the Falcons are starting Taylor Heineke over Desmond Ritter for the remainder of the season. Arthur Blank came out and said that he'll let the rest of the season play out before deciding on Artie Smith's future with the team. That's surprising. I'm a big fan of Artie Smith. I think he's done pretty good in Atlanta. He did, they don't really have a, a ton of talent. Now his use of Bijan Robinson this year just blows my mind. But I, I, think, I think it's too early to let go on him. He's never had a quarterback so I think that team is a quarterback away from being a pretty damn good team. So I'd like to see him with, you know, even a, a decent quarterback, let alone a top-tier quarterback, to see what he can do. And that leads us then to Artie Smith's old team, the Titans. Derrick Henry becomes a free agent after the season and is now considering what life would be like outside of the Titans after the Titans were eliminated from playoff contention. So in 14 games this year, he's sitting at 884 yards and 12 touchdowns. That's not really Derrick Henry-esque as we would expect this year. He's, he's been an absolute stud in his career, but the Titans' offense has also just been absolutely terrible. Jalen Hurts calls out his team for not being committed enough. That's not surprising out of somebody like Hurts. He's a very, very dedicated, competitive, just pure grit guy. So I, that might be what the Eagles kind of need right now. They've been very, very shaky the last handful of weeks, and they, they just need to turn it around and show what that form was from last year to make a push for the rest of the year. And then, so, we're going to finish up the tent talk this here, this week with Rodgers' watch. Unfortunately, there is no longer any Rodgers' watch. The Jets were eliminated from playoff contention, so Rodgers is activated. He is a member of the team, but that's just so he can practice with the team, get those reps in, build that chemistry for next year. And he came out in McAfee and said that 2024 will not be his last season in the NFL. So, I'm excited for next year to see what we get out of him. We still might bring it up the last couple of podcasts, just because it has been a segment kind of throughout the year. But at this point, Rogers' watch has ended. Genius. That leads us to my favorite segment of the week, bonehead move of the week. Unfortunately, this week with Tyler, not with Smelty. But Smelty still had his input on this one. He, he was the one who decided it. The bonehead move of the week is really the bonehead move of the last two years. And why the hell has Brandon Staley not been fired until this point? Now, granted, he was let go now, as was Joe Telesco, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's not Joe. Tom Telesco. Ah, that could be wrong, too. That's going to bug me. But that's okay. Tom Telesco, the GM of the car, of the Chargers. Why is it taking this long? Brandon Staley has done nothing but disappoint in his tenure. They are loaded with talent across the board. It is Tom Telesco. Thank you, Kev. Got my back, as always. All of the blunders with his just decision-making alone, let alone like the, the play calling, the lack of, of really being able to close games... But it shouldn't have taken this long. If anything, it should have taken the collapse against the Jaguars in the playoffs last year, and he should have been shit-canned then. Now, Tom Telesco, I don't necessarily think that it was his time to go. He's built a pretty damn good team. Like I said, they got studs pretty much at every position, and they just can't put it together. It's mind-boggling to me that he still does have a job. Now, the Chargers aren't out of playoff contention. They would need a hell of a lot of help and a hell of a lot of a strong push here. But it's, it's more than overdue. The guy's 24 and 25 with his Chargers in his, head co in his head coach career. And after that absolute ass licking they took last week, 
he came out and said that every great coach in the league has had games like this. Nah, motherfucker. You let up the most points in Raiders history. That is a long and tenured franchise, y'all. It ain't a new type team like the Texans, but that's just crazy to me. I'm excited to see who does take that gig, though. That's one of the, the coveted head coach openings right now. You know, like I said, they have a franchise quarterback. He's locked up. They got studs on the outside once they're healthy. They got studs on the defensive side of the ball with Mac Bosa, Derwin James, young stud in um, Asante Samuel outside. Like, they have foundational pieces everywhere you look. They just need somebody that's going to come in and put it all together and not blow it on decision-making alone. Like, his, I, I don't know. I'm excited to see it. As, as Smelty and I both have said, you know, they, we, we like the Chargers because of LaDainian Tomlinson. So I'd like to see him get back in that Phillip Rivers form and, and, you know, compete, get to a Super Bowl, and maybe even win one. They have the, they have the franchise cornerstone at Justin Herbert. I, I'm a huge Justin Herbert guy, one of my favorite quarterbacks to use in Madden. And he's just all around just an absolute dog of a quarterback. Just dog. For honorable mention this week, we're going to throw in George Pickens not wanting to block because he might get injured. Which is fair, as wide receivers run blocking can be detrimental. You look at Tank Dell this year, and that's kind of who he complained to, or could not complain, but compared it to. But that would have been a touchdown if Pickens would have just put a body on him. Jalen Warren would have walked into the end zone. And it's just George Pickens being George Pickens. This guy's a diva for no reason. You know, he's highly touted. Yeah, he has a lot of potential. He has a hell of a lot of skill, but he hasn't been able to really put anything together. Now, granted, poor quarterback play, there's a big part in that. It's the same thing you can be said for Deontay Johnson. But to not give any effort on that play and then come out and say it's because you don't want to get injured, for one, you're a soft-ass dude. And two, what do you expect your teammates to think of that? Oh, I'm not going to try to get injured. I'm not going to try to have a score and put my body on the line. You look at back to what the Steelers receivers, you just look at Heinz Warren. Heinz Ward was taking bodies out, putting his head on the line. Like, Heinz Ward would have taken two guys out on that play and Warren would have walked in walked in he could have rolled in it don't even matter that's just the difference in well granted Heinz Ward's also one of the best blocking receivers of all time let's not really go that far but I don't know it's it, it that's just kind of in indicative of what this team has been this year you know I don't know if Tomlin has full control of the locker room he doesn't allow this kind of shit to happen and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Steelers is Kenny Pickett the answer I don't know but they sure as hell need to get a young, bright offensive mind in that, that team. They sure do. All right, well, let's move on to this week's slate. We have week 16 coming at you. We got a guest appearance for the, the picks here. We don't have Smelty, so we got our boy Cab Dog. How you doing? How you feeling, my guy? You know what? I'm not as good as Smelty is, obviously, with his record. Maybe he's not too great himself, but uh, we're going to try to fill in. I wish I had the record numbers from that one, like the first week that we did a podcast uh, for the NFL episode, and I did the predictions that one week. I'm sure I did terribly that week, but maybe we'll go back after this one and we'll check and see how I do, because you're not going to make any money with me either on this. Kev, we've teased them enough with these records. We teased <laughs> no, them we enough. Haven't. No, we'll we see. We'll see. Okay, in no, his it's... defense, he did put the effort in to put it all together for the most part, and Digging to get some of those numbers. I know you did dig in there as well, too. Bro, but. I got two of the weeks. And I didn't do shit. <laughs> Plus one for Smeltzy. Big, Plus big one, shout buddy. out to Smeltzy. Not only did he do that, he put basically put together the agenda for this one, made it a lot easier for me. My work's kind of getting a little out of control right now. But that's beside the point. Cab Dog, I'm happy to have you, brother. Happy to be here. First game we have, we got the Packers taking on the Carolina Panthers. Packers in this game are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. 
I think they're going to take this game. If they lose this game, Kev Dog, I have no faith whatsoever in the hit in like our future with anybody on this team. To be completely honest with you, the Panthers are absolute shit show. They barely squeaked off a win last week with four field goals. Like if we can, if if the we if we allow the Panthers Panthers two hundred and seventy five yards of total defense. I might just drive to Green Bay and, like, I don't know, kneecap Joe Gary, Barry. <laughs> you going to start a riot out there in Green Bay? It's, I mean, it, we should already be rioting. We really should. But saying it. that, I got the Packers to win this one. Four and a half points. I, like I said, this game should be a walk in the park. If, if we can't put it together against the Panthers, we need that momentum going into the last two weeks when we got the Vikings, we got the Bears. Um, Smelty did... Phone in his picks here. He has the Packers winning this one as well. What do you think, Kev? I'm thinking the same thing. Obviously, I don't follow the football as much as you guys do, but just looking at the records for the teams here right now, uh, Packers 6-8, and eight, Panthers 2-12. and 12. I, I get your point. Uh, covering the spread should be should be simple, but obviously we, we know how that goes. Uh, crazier things have happened this season with some of the games we've t- that you guys have covered, so uh, we'll call the Packers in this one, but uh, y- you never know. You do never know. It's crazy to think when you just said their records that we only have four more wins than the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> I really hadn't kind of put that into perspective until you just said that, and that is so <laughs> fucking boring. Happy to help, buddy. That's what I'm here for. Oh, boy. I'm oh just boy. behind the scenes. I'm here to bring the realizations to you. <laughs> All righty. We're staying in the NFC North. We got the Detroit Lions taking on the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are at home on that one. You know, coming up here to the Twin Cities, playing in the U.S. Bank Stadium, which is a pretty cool stadium to go to. Vikings in this one are the underdog. The books have Lions winning this one by three. I think the Lions does win this one by at least a touchdown. You know, I didn't see enough out of the the Vikings last week to really just have a lot of hope and promise in that offense, especially going against, you know, a, a not superior Bengals defense. They're very mid-pack. And the Lions need to put together some wins here. You know, Jared Goff went off last week. He he had a hell of a game. But the Vikings defense is playing pretty good. It, it, to me, this game comes down to are you going to be able to contain Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery? For that reason, I don't think the Vikings will be able to put it all together. And I got the Lions win, winning this one by a touchdown. Smelty does disagree. He thinks Minnesota is going to cover that two, that three points, maybe even win this game. They sure need it for their playoff hopes and to build the momentum towards, you know, week 18. Um, but what do you think, Kev? I'm with Smelty on this one. I think Vikings coming back home uh, with a with a potential playoff push. Uh, three points isn't isn't a ton of points. It is you know you got to get over the field goal right three plus. So um, I think the Vikings are going to take it. I know it's an odd uh, hot take, but home for the holidays. I think there might be a little bit of magic in, uh, in Minneapolis for them. I love it, bro. I like being the one guy that just uh, that opposes that so. opposes. <laughs> you know you got to split that tie somewhere. And unfortunately, I think you're going to fall on the wrong side of it this week. That's all right. No one listen to me regardless. So. well let's move down to texas we got the cleveland browns going down to houston taking on the texans surprisingly the texans are in a two and a half point favorite in this game i'm i'm surprised it's not you know a pick them or even just you know a one one and a half in this game i think this is going to be a really close game there's a lot of playoff implications for both teams but the texans at home i think are yeah i i like that it's a field goal game because that's all i need if i pick the texans all i need to do them to do is win by a field goal but I think Joe Flacco is going to come down to earth here at some point. So I got the Texans winning this game by, like I said, I, I like a field goal, maybe four or five. I don't think it's more than a, a touchdown game. I think it's going to be a close, good game, as you would hope in Week 16. And Smelty disagrees. So it looks like you're going to be the deciding factor again here, Cav Dog. Smelty has the Browns in this one. 
Uh, I got the Texans on this one. I'm pretty confident. Don't get me wrong, but I think I listen to these podcasts more than anybody, like a thousand times every week when I edit them. Pretty sure the Texans have been red hot with a young stud quarterback this season. Am I right? You sure are, brother. Heck yeah, I do pay attention. Uh, I think he's going to do well at home. Uh, minus two and a half. I think they're going to take that. No problem. I think Texans got this one. Well, I'm glad to have you on my side this go around, brother. Just, you know, we'll get used to it. Let's go to the East Coast. We got the Dallas Cowboys. For whatever reason, America's team. That's dumb. <laughs> Taking on the Dolphins. Dolphins come into this one a one and a half point favorite. I'm surprised that spread is not higher than it is due to the Cowboys ass licking they took last week against Buffalo. Um, but I, I think the Dolphins are going to cover this game. I, I think the Dolphins win this one pretty easily. The way that Miami has been able to balance that offense, Raheem Mostert's had a hell of a year. I, I just don't see the Cowboys really being able to stop Miami's offense at this point. And the way the Dolphins' defense has played as, as of late, I, th- I think that the, the Dolphins win this one pretty handily. Um, and Smelsey agrees. What do you think, Kev? Uh, so these teams are both 10-4 and four in the season record at the moment. So that was kind of my deciding factor for some of the games before and some other different factors. On this one, I'm going to break the time and go Cowboys in this one. I just I, I don't know much about these two teams. The records are solid. You mentioned good things about both quarterbacks. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys and just see what happens. My, uh, my brother-in-law, Dunn and Iowa, would be appreciative of that one. I love it. I love it. All right. That wraps up week or the next game here wraps up this week with our game of the week. We could be a potential Super Bowl preview. It very well could be. We got the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. They're not the Ravens. We have the Ravens traveling to the West Coast, taking on the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners in this game are five and a half point favorites. I think that's a little bit too much. I think this should be more of a two and a half, three and a half point spread. Like a field goal game almost, just a little bit more. Yeah, I really do. I really do. Now, saying that, I am going to take the Niners to cover that five and a half because the Niners offense simply can't be stopped. Sure. Brock Purdy has put himself back into the MVP conversation. CMC has put himself into that MVP conversation. And I I just think the, the Niners are absolutely buzzing right now. And I just don't think the Ravens have enough talent defensively to just stop the Niners offense or sorry to stop the Niners defense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stop the Niners offense. Mm-hmm. And you know, with the way the defense is playing right now, Tardavius Ward is, is putting himself together a pro bowl season at corner. And I don't think a lot of people really give him that his, his flowers right now. So I agree with Smelty on this one. Niners are going to take this one by five and a half. Yeah. Tyler, I'm going to go with the Niners as well. Uh, I, I think that both teams right now records are 11 three. You guys mentioned that Purdy has just been on fire. Uh, I don't know too much about these guys, but I got I got to go with you guys. I think they're going to win. Minus five and a half. It's a huge spread to cover. I'm going to let those guys take it. Well, I like that you're sticking with us on this one. I think five and a half might be a little bit too much. You know, this one worries me, but I just, that Niners offense right now, man, they are just fucking rolling. Just rolling, brother. Well, Kev Dog, I appreciate you hopping on for the last appearance here. Not the last appearance, but the last segment here. It's been a hell of a podcast, man. Smelty, best of luck recovering, man. We need you back next week. But as always, like, comment, subscribe. We want all the followers, all the listens, all the likes. We're trying to build our base here, and uh, we have some pretty good progress, and I like the direction we're going. Special thank you to all of our Kenya listeners. We Kenyans, really do. you guys are killing it. We, we appreciate you We y'all. love it. We have a worldwide audience, and, and that's really cool to see for an up-and-coming podcast here. You know, as as they go on, we'll continue to grow. But throw us a like, throw us a comment, throw us a subscribe. We'll see you next week.
Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe. Tune in next time for more banter with the boys.